why I like that little melody, but just, just so nice. And uh, let me turn this off quick. Um, so I, I just, I'm giggling to myself. I, I, I had my mic muted. But I'm giggling to myself because just the hooty hoot thing is so obnoxious. And for those who didn't listen to the episode where I randomly threw in there, like where the hooty hoot comes from, I just started doing it at work as like, when I entered the building, not that I like, I needed people to notice me, but it was just my dumb little hoo I'm here. And that's why, you know, when I do it, I, I hit it. So I, I just recorded myself doing it once and, and it became a thing, but I literally, it just, it's so silly and so stupid and it really encompasses me because I'm just, I'm just an idiot. And I don't mean this like, I'm like, I'm like belittling myself. I'm just saying, I, I'm just, I'm just a goofy, uh, I'm a goofball. So, um, yeah, so it just made me it made me ch- chuckle when I hit the button because I'm just like, like most people have no like why the hell why is that like on this <laughs> why does he do this every episode, um, yeah so I'm I'm just I'm silly anyway, uh welcome to the podcast welcome to the show welcome 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 uh yeah and welcome to episode uh, 120 uh it's a good episode really fun guest uh very informational um. And, uh, I'm, you know, maybe I'll get some help at the end of this. Yeah, we'll find out, shall we? All right, guys, see you later. Or, well, I, I see, I always hate that I, I do these separately because I always say see you later and then I just come back again at, for the intro. So I'm, I'm, I'm just a person that likes to break the fourth wall. I could literally edit this out. I could do this over, but, yeah, fuck all that. Why, why, why am I bothering? Just let me be me and, uh. Judge if you want. I don't care. Judge. But uh, let's just get to the guest, shall we? Well, get to me introducing the guest. All right, guys. All right, guys, back again. Um, so our next guest, I, again, I've said this at nauseum, but... Uh, Podmatch, it's just, it's such a great place to find guests, and, uh, I found her here, and I was reading about her journey, it's, uh, it's, it's very different from a lot of what other guests I've had on, and, and I'm very fascinated in her story, and she has a story of being a caregiver as well, and so let's just get to know her, um, can you, like, tell us your name and a little about yourself? I'm Kathleen Donnelly Israel, and, um, I was married to Ron for 48 years, and um, he got Parkinson's disease, and I thought, well, let's just try and cure this thing, and he was not interested in me being his caregiver, I mean, his um, healer. He wanted me to accept him as he was, so I had to, like, give up trying to find cures for him because he wasn't interested in that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was a, I was a little bit angry because I thought, well, gee, if you won't try and heal, then I am going to be a caregiver for the rest of my, you know, of our life together. And, and mm-hmm. I just thought we had, I thought we were going to, you know, be riding our bicycles across France in our old age. And How did you meet him? All of a sudden, how did I meet Ron? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, like, you know, like 50 years ago, um, I was in college and I worked at the Wiener Schnitzel and 
he was a friend of my boss's friend. And they used to come down at lunch and be there because it was just kind of a kooky neighborhood, a little bit dangerous. And, and Jeannie, my boss, wanted to have some people who were, she could like rely on to have lunch. So she would give them free lunch if they would sit there during lunchtime. And that's how I, she didn't like my, bo- my boyfriend. And so she wanted me to go out with Ron. Okay. And that's how I met him. Well, I guess she got it right, though. <laughs> yeah. That's always, yeah. That's always a good thing. Um, how long were you together before he was diagnosed with Parkinson's? So we were married 48 years. So um, 48 minus 17 is, um, you know, 30, I don't know. What was it, 48 minus years. 17, you said? It's 31, right? 31, I yeah. Mean, 31, yeah. <laughs> so we were... We were married 31 years when he was diagnosed, and um, and so, yeah, he, um, our our baby boy. We have five children, so our baby boy was going off to college, and all of a sudden, Ron had to quit his job, and so that was like poor planning. But anyway, our son ended up being a great entrepreneur because of it, so that turned out good. Yeah. Did um. And, uh, what. With with him, um, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you said you said off mic that he's uh, he was very athletic. Yeah, he was an athlete. He did like triathlons, and he did the Tin Man over in Hawaii. And he was just a runner all his life. His nickname was Road Runner. And um, so when he got when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, his friend was like, "Oh man, not Ron," you know. And um, he embraced his disease. He did. He um, he wasn't a sad man. He wasn't you know, he wasn't unhappy or anything about it. And he just lived his whole disabled life as a happy man. And um, so that was good, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's usually that could be a deterrent and it takes some people down the wrong path and they kind of fall into a a deep depression over it. Yeah, he was like studying people like Wayne Dyer and um, Byron Katie. Uh, We we did transformational breathing together. Uh, So he he had some enlightenment in his uh, makeup. And so, yeah, he was he was ready to just do the do the Parkinson's disease thing. And, um, you know, people told us, well, uh, you should get into a support group. And I was thinking, well, gee, we're just starting out on this Parkinson's disease thing. I don't really want to know what it's going to be like down the road. I, I think I'd rather not look at that picture right now. So it took us a long time to get into a support group. Um, because of that, I, I was just like, oh, man. But when we needed it, we did get into a support group. <clears throat> That's good. I um, I asked this to a, another guest who was kind of similar in your position. Um, you know, when you when you get married and, and you get you sign up, you, you're essentially signing this contract where you're saying for better or for worse, you know, you're here no matter what, unless something terrible really does happen. Um, but, but, you know, for what he went through, you're, you're technically signing up for that. Um, 
Absolutely. How prepared were you for? Because again, you you don't think this stuff's going to happen down the road because you said you were married what thirty one years, and then this happened. So, um, obviously, it gets really it got really bad eventually. Like how how much, you know how how much do you feel like you were actually prepared at least in the beginning? Um. Well, I w- I just in the beginning I just wanted him to get better. I wanted to find a way, and I did find some cures, but he was just not interested in them. And so it's really frustrating for me. Um, so I had to accept it. And um, when I got married when I was 20 years old, and I remember, you know, reading over the marriage vows and thinking to myself, my life is not my life anymore. My, you know, in sickness and in health, he'll just do his part. And, I just, I was just like, yeah, that's how, you know, I did not ever even think of not staying with him through this at all. That's good. I, that's just what I thought, you know, <laughs> was never even crossed my mind. And, and really I've heard people say, wow, you stayed with him. And I'm like, yes, what, you know, I, I, you know, I signed up for it. And in our support group, one lady said, I didn't sign up for this. And I'm like, well, I think we did sign up for this. You know, we did. Yeah. Even though we were young, we did sign up for this. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that you did that for him. And, and, but I, I can see how some people can see it the other way. I, I don't, whether you want to, dev- you know, debate if it's right or wrong or any of that. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's almost, as, I mean, you, you can say the same thing with, with kids as well with parents, but I think it's a little different because you don't sign a contract and all that, but it's still, it's, it's very important if someone supports another person, but there's, depending on what situation you're in, because some people, they don't have to care give their entire life for this person. Um, but in this case you, you did until his, you know, final breath or whatever. And so it it takes a lot. I mean, it's great that you were that loyal and dedicated and, and you did show him, you know, unconditional love, which is very hard to get, but there are some people that just, Man, it, it's really hard for them to see a person that they love deteriorate and fall apart, and it's almost like they have to get away from it. And and may seem wrong, but I don't know. There's a part of me that still understands, even though I'm the person with the disability, and I would hate if someone disappeared on me. Um, but I mean, like I said, I love that you you, you stuck around because that's you know. Well, I had this attitude that okay, till death do us part, and so. I was just grateful that I was the well one, you know, because what if I was the sick one and Ron had to take care of me, you know, I, I was fully grateful that I was the well one. Yeah. uh, Why do you think, why do you think he was kind of stubborn of of trying these methods that could probably help him? I asked him that, (laughs) you know, and you know, married people, they, they got buttons they can push, you know, and we kind of right. skirted around our buttons for 48 years. Um, he, I asked him, why won't you, because I got these negative ion clothes. They said they would help him. And I asked him, why won't you wear them? And he goes, because you always have to be right. <laughs> oh, so I'm God. like, <laughs> he didn't, you know, he didn't want like, to give me that, I guess. I don't know. But it has to be that something was, more deep-seated than that. Because, I mean, yes, I mean, you have that debate of, you know, oh, my wife thinks she's always right or my husband or whatever. But it's another thing to actually, because it, it is, you know, it could possibly benefit his health. There's got to be a little more than just, you know, to win an argument. 
Yeah. I mean, that was big, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, you know, I can get all philosophical and, you know, Louise Hay says that people with Parkinson's are control, want to have control of every situation. And that may have been part of it. Um, you know, he, he didn't want, he didn't want me to be his healer. And, um, yeah, I just got that so, so loud. Yeah. It was so, so cute. Uh, when at, at some point he couldn't talk anymore. Um, and, uh, so he wanted, he still wanted to give me directions. He didn't want me to, like we were driving somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I used to print out the map quest of everywhere we went. So I printed out and he wanted to hold it, but he couldn't talk. So he couldn't tell me. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was really angry at me for like wanting to hold the paper. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So the next time I made two copies and I let him hold one and I hold one. And and uh, that still made him mad. So yeah, I think he was a controlled person. Mm-hmm. Very stubborn too, because I mean, there's, there's something very admirable about him, like really wanting to do everything himself. But I think at some point yeah. he had to he has to learn to, to to let you try because he needed you, even yeah. if he didn't want you. And to. he did, and he did. He was the most sweet person. Um, towards the end, he he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like an angry person or anything. He was. Very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was it like? What did you see? But also, what was it like to see like when you really noticed he was going downhill a little bit? And and then again, what did what what was it that kind of drew you to knowing that he was going downhill? Oh well, uh, you know, with Parkinson's disease, they try and fix you a bit, and so um, he had the uh, um, oh. Okay, so he had the deep brain stimulator. Okay. And it was a failed deep brain stimulator. After he got that, he couldn't walk. He couldn't talk anymore. Wow. And, um, yeah. And so um, at that point, I was just really gung-ho about all that I could do with him. Um, We were not stuck at home. I could throw him in his throw him yeah I could put him in his wheelchair dress him up you know with his suit and or sports coat and we could go to the theater the live theater and you know over here in Balboa Park and I we could go out to lunch I told him well if you will go to painting class with me I will take you out to lunch so (laughs) on Thursdays we would go to painting class and you would do watercolor you know and I mean, so we, it wasn't like we were stuck at home or anything. Right. Um, we, we just did, we went to the beach, we, you know, and, um, remember the, um, right before he got, right before he was, you know, going into the last part of his life, um, we were at the beach and he just kind of pushed, I mean, he wanted to be right next to the seawall and he just, got up out of his wheelchair and, and scooched his butt up on the seawall so he could just sit there and watch the water like he used to, you know? Yeah. So that was really sweet. And, um, but I, I was angry quite a bit too, you know? So when, when he got really bad, I was just kind of a little bit angry too, because he, 
you know, he kind of didn't, you know, there was, uh, it was out of frustration, I suppose. But um, anyway. No, it's got to be frustrating, especially when you can't communicate like you once could. And um, Yeah. I, he, I, he used to write on my hand. Like I'd hold my hand out and he would write letters on my hand so he could communicate with me. Yeah. No, I'm sure you had your ways. I think, yeah, but it's got to be really, I don't even, I'm sure some of it wasn't even, I'm sure there was a, a bit of some frustration with him as far as because you wish you would have tried some of the other stuff, but also frustrated with how the procedure went and, and just frustrated with just, you know, I mean, I'm sure you started to feel like, okay, he's really going down now. And, and you know, you were yeah. maybe coming at, you know, you're at the last lap with him and, um, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration. And again, we're not all perfect. And I'm sure you showed emotion that you probably wish you didn't show because, you know, he just needs your comfort and love at the last moments of his life. But, you know, when, right. when, when you see someone that you love more than anything and they're going down the way they are, it, it's, it's hard not to show that kind of frustration because you, you know that there was a bunch of other what ifs. If that would have happened, if that would have happened, maybe we wouldn't yeah. be here. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, it, uh, but it's anyway. you guys got to share those type of moments, just watching the waves, and you know it's something I'm sure you'll never forget. Right, right, and just um, I mean I shared all that stuff on Facebook with my friends, so every once in a while Facebook comes back at me, oh, ten years ago, you know, and a picture of Ron at some uh, Mexican restaurant eating tacos. He <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, how so. how long has he been gone? Uh, 2018. Okay. So, you know, almost, well, it's three and a half years, um, August, 2018. Yeah. Do you, as a person, cause I mean, I guess you would assume that person is your soulmate. Do you, how do you even, like, do you even consider wanting to like date ever again? I don't really, I, I'm kind of busy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, Fair enough. uh, yeah, my, my girl, my daughter asked me that, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not honey anymore. People used to be attracted to me, but <laughs> it's not like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I'm, I guess I'm just the old lady here. And uh, Anyway, I'm having fun with my life. I have friends, and we go to the movies and stuff. And um, You remind I, me a lot of my grandmother, because yeah. my grandfather, he died. Of, he had MS, and he had a bunch of other problems, and you know, she's, he oh. died in 2003 and, and she hasn't even, even reproached trying to date ever again. And she's a super independent woman like you are. And, uh, she'll be 90 in a, in a couple months. And, uh, you know, she, wow. she does whatever she wants to do. She walks a mile a day. Yeah. Like, she stays very active, but the idea of another person, another man in her life doesn't even cross her mind. Um, she, cause that was her, that was her soulmate. And it's kind of hard when you find the person that you were meant to be with and then they, they disappear. And it's like, how do you replace that? Like you just don't. And, and it's almost yeah. unfair probably to put another person in that spot because they can never live up to, even if they're a great person, they, they can't really live up to the person that you were with for 50, 60 years. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> but it's good that yeah. you have that kind of mindset that you're, you know, you're never going to move on from him, but you're also like, you got, you're still going to live your life. I know it's been four years, but people don't just move on like that. Like you're, you're moving on, but you know, you're never forgetting his memory and you're, you're, you're still living your life probably as if he was still with you. These are the things that he probably would be doing with you. 
Yeah, and he really is with me. You know, sometimes I can't find something, and I'm like, okay, Ron, where is that? And, you hmm. know, it'll filter back to me and stuff. So. That's really cute. I like that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> After he died, oh, my gosh. I, every time I went in the bedroom, the door, we had a door to the outside. Every time I went in the bedroom, the door was open, and I'd go over and close it. And then I'd go in again, and it was open, and I'm like, after about the third time, I'm like, okay, Ron, don't creep me out in here. And I went over and locked the door. <laughs> but, you know, he was there. How, how did you... We, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, after he died, I, I felt him hug me as he left, you know. Aww, so That's cool. Did, um, how, like, how much were you impacted when he actually finally did go? And I'll use an analogy. Like, I... You know, it's weird. To, I'm a very big animal person, but I had my one cat, and she was really sick, and I was pretty sure that she was going to die like that day or the next day, and she ended up living for another month. But I bawled my eyes at that point, and then when she did die a month later, I didn't cry. I was really sad, and I was really like I was just kind of numb. But I, 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 you know, I cried it out, so I couldn't really have too much of an emotion at that point because I really got it out before because I, I already came to terms with her going to die. Um, like how were you when, when he, cause obviously you knew he was going, you know, he was deteriorating. So were you right. imme- immediately sad when he died or were you kind of like at peace with it because he's not suffering anymore? Well, I have such a strong faith in the afterlife and I just knew that he was with God, you know? And, um, so I felt good about that. I, I, I guess I want to say I had grief and relief because, I had grief because I, I didn't have my boyfriend anymore. I didn't have my date. I could take him anywhere, you know, just right. stick him in the wheelchair. And, and um, after that, I, I was alone. And um, so, um, but I I had relief, too, because um, it was like I spent my 60s taking care of him, the full of my 60s. Um, I was 69 when he died. And... Um, so, um, I was ready. My body was so far down. I couldn't hardly eat anything because I had so much stress and my, like my, my feet were bad. My, (laughs) you know, my, um, yeah, I looked really old. I looked older then than I do now. I was just like wrung out, (laughs) you know, from just, um, being, there for him, you know, just, um, anyway, so yeah, yeah I, yeah. I was able to start my body healing again after that. Well, I could imagine because you're taking pretty much all the, the onus on you as far as keeping the family together and trying to keep him around as long as he can. But, um, I'm sure there were, you know, and not in a negative way, but it, I'm sure there was a part of you that was relieved that he's gone because he's no longer suffering, but also it, it takes a lot of pressure off of you now. Like it, it's, I, I really believe yeah. that his death was a gift to me because they, um, at that point they were telling us, uh, well, he couldn't swallow anymore. And so he was going to have to have a feeding tube. Yeah. And um, he decided to go instead, you know, and that was his gift to me. Um, so, did you? Did you? I really, go ahead, go ahead. I really believe that. 
did you make any promises to him like before he died? Like whatever, like I'm going to live my life for both of us or, you know, something along those lines. No, but I, you know, I, um, he, at the end, uh, he wanted, I thought when I was towards the end, I thought, gee, maybe I should prepare him for his death. I mean, what's he going to, you know, he has to go through this, you know, he has to go through, um, giving up his life, you know? And so I, I was searching like YouTube. I mean, I went on YouTube and like the first thing on there was a, a, a physician, a emergency room physician talking about people's, you know, transition and the people who came back and he was able to talk to them about it. And gee, he said, you know, I'm not afraid to die anymore because I, I know what happens. And so he told us what happens. And so I played that for my husband and he didn't really listen. Hmm. And then after he did decided to go into um, hospice, I asked him if he'd like me to play it for him. And he did not remember me playing it for him. So I played it for him again. And I think it really helped him. Um, yeah. Yeah, calm him down. That's that's great. Um, Help him just know that it it's just a transition. Like w- when we're born out of our mother's womb, uh, we're in a really protected place, and then we've got to come out into this world, and it's the same thing uh, going to God afterwards, after our life. We all have to do it, you know. Yeah. Nobody's going to get away out of it. <laughs> no, that's really, that's really sweet. Yeah. And it and it's really stressful doing that. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Um, kind of transitioning to like after him, you. One of the things I think it's awesome about you is, like I said, you you remind me a lot of my grandmother because my grandma is this super independent older woman, and <laughs> you know there's you know there's these little clubs like the Red Hat Club and all these things. It's it's just to yeah. to, to motivate and ind- you know make older people more independent. Um, whether they're married or not, just just to get out in the world and, and not just think life is over because you're in your 60s and above, and obviously you right. you fall into that category. Um, were you were you kind of always like that, like just super independent before you got you know to an older age? Well, I don't know. I guess so. I you know um, I I mean I've really been into education all my life, and I. Um, you know, I, I, my husband traveled by himself for his job sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. and so, um, I, I wanted to do that too. So I went to a school. I, I went to, to school in Switzerland for, uh, two, two summers. And, uh, so that was kind of like I did that by myself. And, um, so I, and I, I teach transformational breathing and I went to Italy for, um, to help, you know, um, to staff a, a, a breathing class. And, um, so I have done some things. Um, when I was 18, I went to, <laughs> I went to Hawaii and I was a counselor at a Girl Scout camp on a big island. So I, I don't know, I, if I can do stuff, if it, presents itself to me then maybe i'll do it you know yeah no i think you're a real role model for especially for older people who 
like I said, there's a lot of people that just sit around. And again, if you're fortunate enough to be healthy enough to go out and you can travel, you can still drive or you can, you can still do some of these things. Instead of just sitting around watching TV or just saying it's all over with, you know, my best years are behind me type of thing. You're still living your life um, and to the point where you right. did a lot of traveling and, and, you know, you did some things that most people couldn't do regardless of age. Well, I think a lot of people think they can and maybe they're afraid because they're, you know, because um, they, um, you know, it's nice to be safe. We're safe here in the U.S. quite a bit. You know, we've got our door, we can close and got our police that can protect us and stuff like that. So when you go out uh, traveling, you know, maybe not, you know, so, um, yeah. But so I, think you, I, I think you give people hope, though, like because I think a lot of people see at a certain point, they see all these senior citizens and they just go, oh, like, this is my life. And um, like, wh- why bother? Like, I might as well die before I, I hit 60 type of thing. And you give <laughs> hope like you're making it cool to be older. Like, it, it's it, I know it sounds like I'm joking, but, it, you know, it, it it's really cool to see. Well, it is. It is cool to be older because my friends who are still working cannot go to the Camino like I did. Oh, they cannot spend <laughs> three months, you know, uh, and really I, what the way I thought about it was, well, I have to eat at home. I've got that money set aside for eating at home. I can eat in Spain, you know, and, you know, maybe I need a little extra money for airfare and stuff like that, but not really. It's really inexpensive to, to walk the Camino Santiago because you can stay in places and, you know, they'll charge you from like five to $10 a night to stay in those places. Can and, you, uh, can you talk about that and then talk about like, you know, like the location and what this place is for the people who don't know we live in the States and all that. Oh yeah. The, the Camino Santiago de Compostelo is a, it's a, it's a pilgrimage and it starts, in many places in Europe. I mean, a lot of people think it starts right at their front door and they just walk out the door and walk to Santiago. I went to Saint-Jean-Pajeport over in France, which is where the Camino Francaise starts and walked 500 miles across northern Spain from France. Um, and so it's a pilgrimage. Actually, uh, years... Uh, like 2000, what is it? The year 1200 or something, you know, one of those years around there, um, they actually found the grave of St. James. And um, actually after that, St. James helped them, the Christians defeat the Moors in Spain. And so then people started going to Santiago, um, which is means St. James, um, to, as a pilgrimage from wherever they were. Mm-hmm. And it was like the church was doing stuff like uh, uh, you get all your sins forgiven if you walk the Camino Santiago type of thing, you know. And so people were doing it for that reason, you know. But nowadays, people do it as a holy pilgrimage, which is the way I went. And then other people are like, um, don't know what to do with their life and they need some direction and go walking a pilgrimage. They can find things out about themselves. They didn't know before and meeting people and stuff on the Camino. Did I say, did I tell you enough? Let's see. 
No, uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but one of the things you also said off mic that you you said you have a problem with your foot. Oh yeah. So I have Pez Tavis, which is I have a high arch, and my my doctor told me, well, you have a deformity, you have a high arch, and now now your foot is dropping and I've got this big bump on the top of my foot and it's painful. And so he said that I, um, you know, he could open it up and scrape my bones for me or I could just live with it. So I decided to live with it. And so I, it was great before I left the first time I've walked the Camino twice now, but before I left the first time I, I had a, I guess physical therapist who was working with me and he taught me Tai Chi walking, which is you roll your foot and you lift it up at the end. And, um, so when my foot would get hurting, I would start doing Tai Chi walking. And so that's how I, that's how I made it through. And sometimes my foot would hurt and I would walk on the outsides of my feet and then I would walk on the insides of my feet. And, you know, I was just trying to make, a way that I could do it. And according to him, I was damaging my foot, but it turns out that's not true. I was, I was better afterwards than I was before. Yeah. How long did it take you to complete this walk? <laughs> well, I took some days off. I was there for 66 days walking the Camino and people like maybe say 45 tops, but I took, uh, Holy Week off because I'm a Catholic and I and I just wanted to experience Holy Week in Spain, which was wonderful. And also, I was sick a few times, and also I I started taking Sunday off, not walking on Sunday, so that I could get to church because I was like, "Gee, I'm on this holy pilgrimage, and by the time I get somewhere, I'm so tired, I just want to take a nap, not go to church." So I I decided to take every Sunday off after that now how do you do so you, i because you, you said you it, it's all through europe so do you like stop in that city or town that you're passing through or how do you because how do you stop for i mean again you said yeah, yeah so they yeah they have the it's great along the camino francais they have these things called albergues they're like hostels but they're dedicated to the camino mm-hmm. and so you i had a book and I could look in the book where the next um, place was. And I had my phone. I got myself a Vodafone sim, you know, over there. And so I could call ahead and make sure I had a reservation at the next place every day. And so that's how I did it. And they're close enough that I could walk. I, w- I My goal was to walk um, 10 miles a day in the beginning. And then... All of a sudden, I got so buffed that I could walk 10 miles before lunch. And I was like, oh, I need to walk further. Mm. So I'll be walking maybe 15 miles a day. Um, And um, so I would look on my book and see when the next one was. And then I would call ahead and can I stay there tonight? That's that's cool. How did you know what uh, footwear to use for this? Because this is a lot lot of walking. (laughs) I know. Um, well, I, for me, I, I've been wearing bath shoes for years, uh, hiking because my husband and I, that's what we did when we were on vacation, we went hiking. And so, um, I, 
so I looked for some bath shoes and they turned out to be really good. And so that's what I wore. And the first year I went, I had waterproof boots because I thought, well, it's April and it's going to be raining. But the waterproof boots weren't waterproof, hmm. which turned out to be a good thing because um, if you have waterproof boots, they don't breathe and you could get um, blisters right. from feet not breathing. So it turned out good that they that the waterproofing didn't work. And then the second year, I, I, I used my old bath boots that hadn't been walked in for 500 miles. And uh, yeah, so... That was it. Yeah. And the backpack, I I had to, I bought like four backpacks and returned them, finding out that they weren't proper for me. And finally I found one that was good. So that, I kept that one and I still use it. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, you, you have a book, right? That you talk about? Yeah. You know, while, while Ron was sick, I, I went online and I studied with many enlightened thought leaders. I felt like God was leading me to these thought leaders. Um, so when I would, I would study with one, like I think I started out with Donna Eden. And uh, when I got so that I, I bought her program and I did it. And then um, I would be done with that. And God would lead me to another one, maybe Rika Zimmerman and uh, Norm Sheely. I was, just studying with all these enlightened thought leaders on the internet and doing that for 17 years, I developed some philosophies of my own that I wanted to share with people. And I didn't want to be teachy. So I remembered that on the Camino, I shared all those things with people on the Camino. So I wrote my book about sharing my philosophies with people on the Camino. So that's what I did. Yeah, it's Wisdom on the Camino. Wisdom on the Camino, a spiritual journey sharing forgiveness and possibilities to inspire the rest of your life by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. I'll put the link in the description when it comes out. Um, Do you have any, like, future, you know, walks or journeys that you want to do? Yeah, so I... um, Last year, in 2021, in the fall, I, I did the Portuguese Camino, the Camino Portuguese from Lisbon to Santiago. That was, And then I went on to Sinistera, which is the end of the earth. Uh, so I did that one. And the other one I want to do is the Camino del Norte, which is along the northern coast of Spain, right on the coast. So I would like to do that um, next year in April, like 23, April 23. And and so since I wrote this book, I'm thinking I should write the book about Portugal. And then I need to write that book about the Camino del Norte. Yeah, there you go. You got more material. It's so fun to write because I, I remember when I was writing, I just remembered all my stories of what happened and it's just so lovely it's fun (laughs) i actually like to read my book because it reminds me of all the stuff that i did that's great do you do you do if you don't want to answer you don't have to but do you tell people your age yeah yeah it was so funny it was so funny uh i was 69 on my first camino and i spent my 70th birthday on the camino and i 
I told this guy, you know, that I was going to spend my 70th birthday on the Camino. And, and uh, then I saw him later and he told me, he told me he was telling all the people he met about this woman who was 70 years, in her 70s, walking the Camino. And I'm like, well, gee, I'm still only 69. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of funny. I was like, boy, I'm starting to ledge in here and it's already wrong. <laughs> yeah. But to be, so, in your, to be in your 70s and just be doing these things is, you know, it's... Yeah, I'm 72 this year and I, I walked um, in, you know, Portugal. It was great. It was so much fun. Um, I can't tell you how much fun it was, but I will tell you in my next book, actually. But you can get my book on Amazon, Wisdom on the Camino by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. Yep, I will put the link in. Um, I think, did, did we cover everything? <clears throat> sure. I mean, I could talk forever here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, no, you're, you're really I, One thing I wanted to tell you, one thing I wanted to tell you is I did meet a group that had two wheelchair people on the Camino. And there, it was like a whole group. They had like a, a, a movie camera and, they, and all these people were just so excited about pushing the person in the wheelchair. And actually I walked slow because of my foot. And so I walked with them quite a while because, um, we're about the same speed, but I lost him when I had to go to the restroom. <laughs> oh, well, that's good though. At least you had some friends along the way and you see yeah. other people doing things that are, you know, less fortunate and they're, they're pushing the envelope as well. So that's, that had to feel comforting. And when I got into, when I got into Santiago, uh, there usually on the Camino, you follow these yellow arrows. But when I got into the city of Santiago, there were no more yellow yellow arrows and this guy who was tethered to a developmentally disabled guy uh he he was trying to guide me too he saw me and he saw me looking around for arrows and he goes go this way go this way so i followed him quite a ways through the city on the way to the cathedral yeah no that's yeah that's great um Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I thank you for coming on. You're a very sweet lady, and I'm I'm very happy that you're doing what you're doing. Because, like I said, you're making it cool to be old. And it sounds <laughs> it sounds bad to say, but it 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 really is nice because it's there are some of you out there that are just continuing to. It doesn't matter how old you are, you just keep going and going. And uh, yeah, you're a great guest. And like I said, I thank you for coming on. Thank you, TJ. I just want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep in touch. And uh, I'll let you know when it comes Thanks. out and all that. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll keep in touch. And uh, like I said, you. I hope you have a good day. I know you will too. Bye bye. Right, bye. Ah, what a nice lady. Uh, I just started talking to her like a couple minutes ago. Well, a couple minutes before the podcast started, I should say. And uh, I didn't know how it was gonna go because she was kind of leaning on me to to like wherever you go with this, I'll follow you. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll see. And because um, I have two episodes that I'm calling like the vaulted episode or the lost episodes, I have two of them. And it's like, oh, man, I hope I don't get another one of these. Uh, but no, she was fantastic and uh, great, great guest. So I'm going to get out of here, guys, because I've been, oh, excuse me, I've been doing a little bit of housework and running errands and shite. And so I have to finish the Batman movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it, like it came out a couple I don't know, within this week, so now you know when this episode is being recorded. Um, but yeah, Bullet's chilling here. He's he's 
wiggling his tail. He keeps hitting me in the in the uh, hip. So he's he's just all curled up here, looking all cute, looking all cute, aren't you, big guy? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys, I'm gonna go chill and relax and just enjoy the rest of my my day off before I go back to work tomorrow morning. Yuck. But take care of yourself and uh, look out for each other. And uh, I'll see. Excuse me. I'll see you on the next one. Uh, bye bye.